WFYI podcast brought to you by Bloomington, Indiana, an American college town offering food and drink, college sports, outdoor activities, live music, cool art, and good times daily. Everyone is welcome in Bloomington. More information at visitbloomington.com. A candidate jailed, accused of stalking his opponent, how it sparked a partisan battle. The candidate who pledges to donate his salary to charity, federal funding for a college class on humor, and the year of the farmer. That plus election predictions, lots of them, and more on Indiana Week in Review for the week ending October 31, 2014. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. AT&T, working to enhance connectivity in Indiana by investing in communication networks. Dedicated to helping Hoosier businesses grow and consumers succeed both at home and at work. AT&T, rethink possible. This week, a candidate for state representatives is behind bars, charged with stalking one of his opponents. Court documents show that independent candidate John Couch, who is still on the ballot, is accused of stalking Indianapolis Democrat Carly Maser on at least seven occasions. He was arrested October 9th and is being held on $60,000 bond. Maser, who campaigned with help from U.S. Senator Joe Donnelly, was reluctant to talk about the charges. It has been um, a long several months, and um, I'm, uh, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm moving forward and, and looking forward to um, just uh, uh, thinking about other things. Should that arrest be an issue in the November election? It's the first question for our Indiana Week in Review panel. Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Eric Holcomb. John Schwannis, the host of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger, president of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. I'm Wish TV State House reporter Jim Shella, Eric Holcomb. Democrats have now put out a mailer informing voters of the stalking charges. What's wrong with that? Well, it's deceptive to start. Obviously, this, this gentleman who's an independent uh, is a few sandwiches shy of a picnic. I think we can all agree. But He's it been should under be. Mental health. Treatment and didn't disclose that on the forums leading yeah. up to this whole ordeal. But um, obviously, uh, it should be taken seriously. She, no, no candidate, she should not fear running for office. Um, but the local Democratic Party has taken it very seriously as well. So this race is probably a lot closer um, than some people might have anticipated at the outset. Yeah, the Democrats put out this mailer that shows a pair of hands in handcuffs and says, "Look what Carly Maser's opponent did." Um, the Republican opponent, Bradford Moulton, uh, says he's heard from people who think it's him. He thinks it's deceptive. You know, I'm sorry he thinks it's deceptive. I probably wouldn't have put that ad out, and neither did Carly Maser, I might add. But having said all of that, it is certainly 
no more deceptive than the TV ad that Representative Eubelauer is using against his opponent, which selectively picks uh, issues and uh, facts to, uh, to call his opponent every name under the sun. And, you know, this is the crazy days, the few days leading up to the election. And, um, you know, that's what happens. Well, is part of the lesson here anything goes in a political campaign? Well, I certainly hope not, uh, but I also think it's an indication of just how uh, limited the campaign has been in Indiana this year, and we don't have a large sample from which, against which to judge these kinds of things. And so, uh, you know, it probably I agree with Ann, it probably shouldn't have been put out in, in the way that it was put out because it is misleading to the Republican candidate or could be perceived that way. But on the scope of, of, you know, dirty ads, so to speak, this is so low on the list that it's just an indication of how uneventful the election has been in Indiana this year. Well, that's what Joel Miller, the, the Marion County Democratic chairman, says. He says that, uh, that Moulton doesn't list himself as a Republican on his, on his uh, materials or his campaign size. He says it's not his job to tell people who the Republican is. Is that fair? Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a spin. <laughs> it's a spin. I, I mean, it's... I think we can all agree. Maybe we can't all agree. That's an overstatement. But many of us would say that it is deceptive. I don't think there is any uh, question that there was an attempt here to in some way create a question mark about the incumbent's opponent. And clearly the more reputable opponent, the one who stands a better chance, is in fact the Republican nominee. So I think let's... We Do you can, have poll data to support that? Uh, my gut tells me that. I think common <laughs> I'm sense... I'm not going to bet on your gut. Common, well, but but, but I, the Independent, other than, other than his arrest record, about but, the only thing that John Couch was running on was a Facebook page. But I will say this. So even if it was deceptive, thank goodness we're not one of the states that would try to police these sorts of things. We have had states in the neighboring state of Ohio where it was illegal to, to spread falsehoods or mistruths in ads, which, of course, is, seems to me patently unconstitutional, and the courts have, have pretty much concluded that. This is a, a, the hurly-burly, I suppose, of, of the final days of a political campaign. Unfortunate. You'd like to think that, uh, that you wouldn't have this sort of uh, tactic. The candidate herself said she would. She was opposed to. Uh, no, she said she didn't see it and didn't authorize it. No, she, I, well, I actually, and that was yeah. one interview. Another interview, yes. um, in addition to the one you did, Jim, and I, I know that's hard to believe there are other interviews, <laughs> but um, apparently there is. There was another one where she did indicate that that it was. Um, but it's uh, not a tactic. It's she endorsed. still being distributed. I it's think, still being distributed. I think it points to a bigger issue, and that is the concern <laughs> over low turnout this year because you don't spend your resources on a race like that if you're not concerned about the outcome. And the, the, the problem with the low turnout, besides the fact that the Republicans actively try to suppress the vote, besides the, that issue is that we're focusing on small bore issues across the board, and the media does that too. I mean, you know, you've got Eric Turner up there using his office for his own financial advantage and then announcing that even though he's on the ballot, he's not going to serve. We've, we've talked about you've that talked, a number of you've times. You've talked about that a number of times, but it's not the big story it ought to be in that district. Yeah. And, and that goes on and on. Our income is shrinking and the disparity in income is growing. All of those and jobs coming in here aren't, aren't paying a living wage. Those are the important issues, and it's not being covered. Well, along those lines, the Democratic candidate for state treasurer plans to give up his salary if elected. Mike Boland has campaigned with state school superintendent Glenda Ritz and says education is one of his priorities. That's why he says he would give up the take-home portion of the state treasurer's $76,000 salary to help others get an education. That's probably 
over 50,000 a year and probably over 200,000 over a four-year period. It's a gimmick similar to the one used by Democrat Tim Jeffers 20 years ago when he promised to do away with the office he was seeking. To be the best Secretary of State and the last. And this time, Republican Kelly Mitchell is a strong favorite in the race for state treasurer. Her TV ads can't be matched by the underfunded Boland, who nevertheless insists that his salary pledge is something he thought about for a long time. If it was a gimmick, it's a pretty costly gimmick to us. Some people get their highs off of booze and drugs. I get my high off of helping somebody uh, get through college. Bolin says he would establish a committee to determine who would receive the money, and he promises to make his tax returns public. And Eleni, will that win votes for Mike Boland? Well, I mean, it's certainly a novel way to bring attention to an office that nobody's paying particular attention say, to. Hey, that campaign pretty much got no attention. Well, and uh, neither did the other one. I mean, I know she's she's Richard Murdoch's handpicked successor. I understand got TV that. Ads. She has TV ads, but they're still. Uh, I've seen it. I think once. And they're really not very high quality. So it's, it's an office that, that, you know, people don't really fundamentally like the other two offices. I mean, you know, the irony of this is the one thing we know for sure at the end of this election is that we will have an elected official in that position. We don't have one for treasurer. We don't have one for auditor. And we don't have one for secretary of state currently. And I hope they'll all take the pledge to serve out their terms, which seems to be a problem for Republican candidates. It would be a switch uh, based on current events. Um, it, is this a gimmick? Of course it's a gimmick. <laughs> is, it a gimmick? Is, is it as good a gimmick as, say, RV1? It's, it's as good of, as a gimmick as he's going to get. This is a guy that um, is getting a couple pensions from the state of Illinois for serving in the General Assembly. And, of course, I guess he can afford it. But he's just, a retired teacher. Just listening to him, if you do the math, he said 50000 for four years. Uh, equals four hundred thousand. Uh, I get I get two hundred thousand. So I think it's probably a disqualifier. Oh, he's running for two terms at once. That's how they do it in Illinois, but not here in Indiana. Uh -huh. Well, you don't. <laughs> and they double count when too, you run. By the when way, you, which is when, what he did. When you run for can candidates for office in Indiana, you don't even have him serve out one term, much yeah. less two. The, you know, the question is, does this get him attention uh, that he wouldn't have gotten otherwise? I think the answer is pretty simple. Right. Yes. <laughs> and, and we just have we had a couple minutes of proof of that. We would not have been talking about the race. Otherwise, the uh, the the but I the question will it make a difference? Probably too little, too late. You you mentioned Jim in yeah. your introduction the how lopsided the the funding is and the the profile through uh, paid media that the two have, um, and you also would wonder uh, if he's been thinking about this for a long time. I might have brought it out uh, of the of the, <laughs> of the cabinet a little bit sooner. Yeah, he too. When, when he was in the Illinois House, he said he, he donated to charity the pay raises he received. So it's not it's not an, yeah, it, it's, a, it's it's the way he's operated. Yes, that's good. So how about that, Tim Jeffers? <laughs> I think I had a pair of glasses like that too uh, <laughs> twenty years ago. But seriously, that was the way. If you're going to do a gimmick, do it. Run it out there. 
run it out there early and carry it everywhere well, the reason, he goes. I mean, well, and right. by the way, he was right. But he, he, he was right. But he also lost. I, 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 well, he may have lost, but it should have. It, it, all of those offices should be but, appointed. But again, it's it's commendable. I mean, it's great that he was willing to do it. But think of the past two months. Every time he goes to a speech or something, and the local. Uh, weekly or whatever writes about it, they can always say Mike Bowen, comma, who who has agreed to give his well, uh, pension, or not his pension, salary, his salary yeah. up. He spent a lot of time you, in rural Indiana, and he's gotten a lot of attention from I'm rural newspapers and radio stations. He spent more time in rural Illinois than Indiana. Let's well, he's been move around on. Indiana more than your candidate. A new course on humor is coming to Butler University, and it's no laughing matter for one U.S. Senator. Butler professor Christopher Bungard is creating the course Studying Laughter. Thank Thanks to a $22,000 federal grant from the National Endowment for the Humanities. Oklahoma Senator Tom Coburn mentions that class in a new book outlining expenditures that he considers to be government waste. We should be ashamed that we're wasting money the way that we are. So if we're watching and we're holding people accountable, we'll get better value for the taxes that we pay. That comment sort of overlooks the, the value and the importance of humanities programs in general. Professor Bungard there, John Ketzenberger, who's right? Oh, I think that the professor's right. I mean, come on. Let's get the senator a couple of tickets to a comedy club and, and let him understand that there's a little more to life than whining and moaning. Now, is government waste a problem? I would agree that it probably is. But going after these kinds of things is penny-ante, and it's, it's, it's lame politics. He does have a sense of humor, the senator, I, I do believe, because he did come campaign for Richard Murdoch. Um, <laughs> That's the best joke right there. <laughs> made me laugh. Okay. Yeah, the National Endowment for the Humanities, just like the National Endowment for the Arts and these other sort of favorite whipping, you know, boys and girls of, of certain factions of the political spectrum, this is what they were set up to do. We've decided as a, as a society that government uh, and, and society is more than just, you know, Drilling, getting some fossil fuel out to, to motor, to, to power your car. By the I mean, <laughs> there's art, there's literature, there's education. It, by this reasoning, you would, uh, it, public school funding, say at the collegiate level, you would not fund a philosophy class or a, maybe a language course or a history course, well, but I only. I would agree with that. No, yeah, maybe so. And, and, well, on the one hand, uh, he's, he's saying you've got to start with the small things in order to solve the big problems, but 22000 doesn't seem like it's going to get us very far with the federal debt, right? <laughs> well, it's a $17 trillion debt. Under this president's watch, it's, been, it's increased $7 trillion. So I think what we're going to see expressed on November 4th is voters saying enough is enough. And they'll, this is just easy, an easy target when you start to study comic books and video games and you, you can, Coburn wrote a book on it, and it's a, it's a funny read in and of itself, but where, where it stops, because everybody wants more money, and so you're taking it away from some other worthy cause that maybe we would put in science or et cetera, research. The reason we have a deficit that grew was because of the George Bush recession, and the government spending on that is the reason that we're coming out of the recession and Europe is not. And that's exactly the, the fact of it. And the problem with this, with Coburn, is like with all these Tea Party people, they can whine, but they don't know how to laugh. I mean, laughter has a function. It's not just the education function. It's also been shown to be of great value for people who are ill and everything else. So we can find out what, what makes that tick. Well, if you look at the list, well uh, which I did, some of the things are prescribed by federal law. Uh, there is no wiggle room. 
some of the hundred and whatever pages. But you can always change with. the law. My point is, then why isn't he working then on changing the law? Then why haven't they done it? As He's opposed to attack. This is the easy way to do it, attack yeah. the, uh, the outliers. Time now for viewer feedback. Each week we pose an unscientific online poll question in conjunction with our Ice Miller email and text alerts. This week's question... How would you react to federal support for a humor class at Butler University? Your choices are A, it makes me smile, B, it makes me frown, or C, I'll remain stoic. Last week's question was, did Mike Pence do the right thing by passing up a pre-K grant? 60% said yes, 38% said no, 2% said I can tell you after the 2016 election. If you'd like to take part in the poll, go to WFYI.org slash IWIR and look for the poll. The lieutenant governor took part in a big announcement at the state fairgrounds this week. Next year's state fair theme will be the Year of the Farmer. Organizers call American farmers the heroes of modern agriculture, producing both food and fuel. Here's hog farmer Doug Morrow. What the State Fair is trying to do is going to be a, a really good thing. It, it puts a human touch behind what you guys have tried to do in the past um, to have a, and then to have a year-long program, you know, explaining what farmers do is great. Josh Wannis, isn't every year the year of the farmer at the Frankly, State Fair? Frankly, I, I thought it was. I, that's what I thought the Indiana State Fair does so well is, is celebrate uh, the rural, rural culture and agriculture. Now, I mean, this is a clever idea, but it, they better not let Senator Tom Coburn know because there's a creative <laughs> writing uh, competition that's part of this. There's some yeah. other sort of outreach things. This sounds Maybe to me like it far. could be a little bit of government waste <laughs> by his definition. So I'm not saying it, that, that, you know, it'll be in next year's book. but Mr. Pedantic Books. They need a new marketing tool? Uh, look, the... I think it's a great idea, and they do a great job of marketing, by the way. I think the Indiana State Fair has done a tremendous job of be remaining relevant. Uh, I love that the fairgrounds are in the midst of the city, and I love that it's so well attended every year. Um, would my first thought be to recognize farmers because it is such an obvious thing? No, so maybe that's why it's such a great idea. You buy that? And I think next year will be the year of the farmer again. I, I mean, I don't know. Who cares? It, uh, frankly, who does care? I think it's. I mean, this is what the state fair is all yeah, about: is celebrating cynical. farmers. <laughs> I mean, okay. So we, we rename it. We put a different bow on it. It's a great package. Any thoughts? I think it's. I I, I care. Um, I think it's long overdue. About time. Shine the light on the farmers. We got all these rural counties out there that, as you said, alluded to, feed and fuel all yeah. these cities. And let's let them have their sole spotlight. And what else is it? The year of the carny or something? I mean, that's not, that doesn't work as well. And I know the year of the beer. The beer yeah. could be, yeah. There may be some sponsorship year, yeah. opportunities. Yeah. In, in yeah. Deep fat fried something. Finally, uh, it's time for election day predictions. First prediction Will the makeup of the Indiana congressional delegation change? And. I think there's a significant possibility of that, yes. Uh, there's only really one contested race. That's the race. one contested race. That's I Joe think Bach people, against Jackie Walorski in District 2. I think people are getting to know both Joe Bach and Jackie Walorski, and I think Joe Bach is going to have a good shot. Uh, yes, huge. Um, Dan Coates will be in the majority in the United States Senate. That's how the delegation will change. That's, that that, that would be change the delegation. It, well, it might change the clout of the delegation, yeah, though, is what he's saying. You do work for Dan Coates, though, right? I just thought I'd mention that. <laughs> I think incumbents uh, in, in the congressional districts in the state will do well, in part because of the way the districts are drawn. We've talked about that before. Uh, there not, aren't many serious contests. 
and turnout will be low. So you, when turnout's low, you, you get what you have going in. Both by, both by Republican design. Point, at this point in the cycle, Jim, I'm going to say no. Uh, no change. I'll stick with that. All right. Will Democrats win a statewide office, Eric? No. Uh, November 4th will be the day the Indiana Democratic Party's war on Republican women died. All three of ours <laughs> will win. Three statewide candidates are women. We already have a statewide office, remember. Yes, state school yes. superintendent. Okay, so you mean I, another saying, statewide office. That's what I meant, okay. yes. Well, and the answer is? I think it's an uphill battle, but <laughs> we've, got, we've got excellent candidates, and they are much better qualified than the Republicans. Uh, well, I'm Mr. No again. <laughs> the Republicans, no Republicans sweep statewide so. offices. No. I mean, yes, as to that. You changed yes. the question on me. They will <laughs> sweep, yes. Yes, all right, I'm with you there. All right, will the Republican supermajorities in the General Assembly shrink or grow? Let's start with the House and Delaney. They'll shrink. Will it, will it still be a supermajority? It, it may not be. It'll they shrink. To, they need Democrats to get four, to, three, and then three. really four to have somebody on the floor. But uh, I think there's a possibility that'll go. Can I say yes? It will shrink or grow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think we will protect the walkout-proof majorities in both the House and Senate. All right. I think the supermajorities stay, but it will shrink. Okay. I agree with that. I think it will shrink as well. Um, I'll, I'll agree with that. All right. How about in the Senate, Eric? Uh, we'll pick up. We'll grow. Nope. You're, will nope. it still be a supermajority? It'll shrink. That's what I'm going to say. It will shrink, but it'll still be a supermajority. I think status quo in the Senate. Shrinks, but stays a supermajority. Um, I'll go along with that again. All right. Uh -oh. will, turnout, will, will turnout surpass 20%? Yes. It will surpass 20%. I think it'll surpass 20%. It's going to be low, nevertheless. Gosh, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> it was 13% in the primary. Yeah. I'm You're talking statewide, right? Statewide. 8% yeah. in Marion County in the primaries. I'd be shocked if it, if it topped 20%. Yeah, I, I think we're looking at the mid-high teens, unfortunately. 20% um, 20, 20 it'll right around there is what I say. All right. Um, is this the least interesting campaign in your memory, Eric? Um, it's <laughs> it's uh, about over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and people are already turning the page. Um, but, uh, yeah. but candidates are out working hard, so it matters. Parties are working matter. hard. Candidates are working hard. The, the public doesn't seem engaged, does it? Well, there's no high-profile races to drag in. There's no contentious, you know, statewide unifying arguments to be had. I think there are arguments to be had that are unifying statewide, but I don't think they're being addressed by the media. And I think you're right about having the banner uh, election always suppresses it. And, of course, <laughs> you know, frankly, <laughs> there has been a concerted effort on the part of the Republican Party to diminish the vote in the state, which is why we're ranked 45 in, out of 50 in voter participation. It's because we make it as difficult as we possibly can for people to vote. And then we wonder why they don't turn out. But fundraising's been down this year. Uh, well, it's the one cycle in what? Uh, eight, it's a very long cycle, 18 a, years. One, where we every have, 12 years, every 12 years, you get you get this cycle where there's no Senate race. Right. But 12 years ago, there was a battle for a 50-50 House. There were three competitive races. And so we don't races. have any of that this year. And so it, it really shouldn't surprise that there's not a Too lot of activity around districts. this. And I do agree that, that the, the, the you know, without all that unifying message, the media is not engaged. 
uh, it is a, uh, you know, it's just a non-event this year, unfortunately. And there's a lot going on around the world that's competing for people's attention. And, and some of it, th th again, go to the media. Yeah. For example, if I pick up another front page of a paper with an Ebola story as the lead, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all that's being talked about. John? We almost done here. I'm just checking my watch. It's, uh, it, this is, this is a, a low watermark in terms <laughs> of excitement. I'm, uh, frankly, I pat you on the back, Jim, for keeping a show on yeah. the air the past few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I, tell you what, I talked to Bill Perkins this week, who's a media buyer who, who works for Republican candidates, and he's been doing it for 40 years, and he called this the most nothing year yeah. ever. ever. He's not making any money you this know what? year, and is that's, he? And, I'll, and I'll, I'll say something I said last week, too. It's not just the calendar's fault. It's not just the party's fault. It's not just the candidate's fault. Voters have uh, bear a big responsibility well, here for you, tuning when out. You, when you don't encourage it and you make it difficult, you get what well, you wish for. Trying to make right. it difficult to cheat, trying to suppress You don't fraud. have any voter fraud. You can vote You, you can vote a month early, you can vote on the weekend, you can your, vote from your house. You, your you don't have to wait war, till the last yeah, hour and, of the last day. That's right. It's and you so can present your you can't present your student credentials, but you can present uh, your we need NRA. You can present your NRA credentials. I think we're off topic. Moving on. One local race. Who will win the race for Marion County Sheriff, Ann. Well, that's easy. The Democrats. The John, John Layton. Layton so win. Democrats sweep Marion County? No, I think Emmett Carney's on to something, just as Mayor Ballard was, and he's, he's connecting with neighborhood by neighborhood by neighborhood, and that's why the grassroots effort will prevail over this air war by the current good, incumbent. Good attempt. That was good. John Layton. John Layton. Yeah, yeah. I think so, too. I say John Layton. All right. What will be the <laughs> biggest surprise of election night, Eric? Uh, Aaron Houchin knocks off an incumbent state senator who was just recently running for governor a few years ago. Talking about Richard Young yes. in, in southern Indiana. Oh, no. I think Richard wins, actually. But besides that, I think the Democrats are going to do better than people expect. I think uh, uh, Bob Ashley might pick up that uh, seat in Eric Turner, Eric Turner used seat. to have. Yeah. That, I think that's, uh, that's a very good possibility. Uh, and again, turnout. I'll go back to that. I think it's going to set some. It's going to be setting a record on the bad end of uh, things. If Ashley wins, that is the biggest surprise. I think it could be a night without surprises. That's Indiana Week in Review for this week. Our panel is Democrat Ann Delaney, Republican Eric Holcomb, John Schwanis of Indiana Lawmakers, and John Ketzenberger of the Indiana Fiscal Policy Institute. If you'd like a podcast of this program, you can find it at wfyi.org slash iwir, or starting Monday, you can stream it or get it on demand from Xfinity or Bright House Networks. I'm Jim Shella of Wish TV. We'll see you again next week. Programming is made possible by Ice Miller. Ice Miller, with a 100-year tradition of learning what is important to clients and strategizing with them toward a common goal. Today, Ice Miller continues its commitment to help clients build, grow, and protect their interests. More at icemiller.com. AT&T, working to enhance connectivity in Indiana by investing in communication networks. Dedicated to helping Hoosier businesses grow and consumers succeed both at home and at work. AT&T, rethink possible. Thank you.